So this morning, we're continuing our series, Stories of Hope. And I have my new friend, Mr. James, here with me this morning. Now, James is the vice president of a local company. Well, it's based locally, but has a national presence. And he's been there for many years. And we sat down this week, and he's got a, a tremendous heart for God. He's got a heart that wants to help people. And this morning, he told me, and he, I don't want to overstep his his part, but he told me this morning, he said, man, I don't want to glorify anything the devil did. He said, the devil is here to kill, steal, and destroy, but I want to glorify God Amen. in every situation, in every, in every hard time. So, so um, please help me welcome Mr. James McCormick. <clears throat> so good morning, James. Good morning. <laughs> you ready for this? Well, I, I promise you I am. I am. <laughs> Especially with the mic not up to my... There you go. <laughs> well, um, for, for time's sake, let's just jump right into it. You want to? Would you guys roll that first segment for us, please? Well, I, I'm James McCormick. I, I grew up over in West Monroe, right in the shadow of First Baptist Church. And I, I lived uh, there in that neighborhood most of my most of my growing up years. It was a couple more blocks over the first assembly, so I started going to the Baptist church across the street. And uh, and if the cars would uh, gather up over there, I'd usually go over there, whether it was a ladies' meeting or or whatever. I, that church was a big part of my life. It had a gym for recreation. It had it had uh, graded choirs. To, I love to sing. That was my formidable years, I guess. And uh, when I was 15, there was a church out in Calhoun needed a music director and youth director. And I wasn't much of either, but but I, I started going and helping that church out in Calhoun. And West Monroe High School. I was an athlete at West Monroe High School. I was uh, real active at West Monroe High School. Used to go in a restaurant, and I'd know about 80% of the people that that were eating in there, but not anymore, you know. The older you get, the more you have new people moving in, and your your scope of influence isn't quite what it is when people have kids in middle school or elementary school, and everybody's kind of gravitating, raising their kids, you know. I'm toward the the latter part of my, my work career. I work at Home Improvement. It's a family-owned lumberyard, and uh, the Norris family that owns it uh, have owned some kind of business in Washita Parish for a hundred years. They started out making syrup, and uh, they would take syrup up in Arkansas and places and, and come back with an empty truck of plywood or, or two-by-sixes or two-by-twelves or something, and, and that's how they kind of got in the, the lumber business. And uh, we're in the old Lowe's building over in West Monroe. That's what I do for work. All right, well, Mr. James, I know this is your story. Do you have anything that you just, off the top of your head, you want to say to that, or? Well, Todd, I, I told you about the six men in that First Baptist Church that knew I was a poor boy. I was raised by a single mom. Some of you probably were. Uh, when that church called me to be there on their staff, I didn't have a way to get to Calhoun too far to walk and uh, so there were six men and 
to this day, I don't know who those six men were, but they, they all uh, got their money, $100 each. I'm old, y'all, so you could buy a car back then for $600. <laughs> and, uh, and so they pooled their money and asked the lady they handed the money to not to tell anybody that they'd give that money for me. Mm. And uh, they put a seed in me to go serve that church. And I, I served several of old Baptist churches that couldn't afford a full-time staff member. Mm. And uh, those were good years. So. so God was faithful to you oh, in, in those very, years. Very faithful. And, uh, so maybe you could tell me just a, just a little bit about what, what, the, what you guys don't know from just this one uh, segment is Mr. James just gave a brief, he gave a two-minute background to 40 years of his life right there. And so, and so towards the end of that 40 years, Mr. James, if, if I'm telling it right, some, there started to be some trouble. There started to be some, some drifting, some, some enticement um, elsewhere. So could you just tell just a little bit about your relationship with God and maybe towards those latter years, maybe what started to come unravel just briefly? Well, uh, I think nothing is one big event. Mm. You know, mm. there's, it becomes a time that, that we start, we might be putting work in front of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, we might be, uh, you know, getting to a point where, where we never read our Bible, where we don't tithe, where we don't Ooh, come on, do brother. the things that God, you know, you know God wants you to do these things. Mm. And it's just like that little Hershey bar. You know, I think, you know, that little Hershey bar, for those that don't remember what it looked like, but there's little, there's little pieces of it that you can break off one little come on. piece at a time. And, and then you just break off a piece here. And, you know, it don't hurt to tell this little gray lie. You know, everybody does that in business. You know, mm. you don't have, it's not really lying. It's just not actually telling the truth. You know? Wow, wow. You know, wow. you know. <laughs> Or, uh, or we don't, or we don't have to uh, uh, treat our coworkers like we should. You know, uh, they should think like I think. Mm. I wouldn't have to get on them like that if, if they thought like I think. And uh, and so it becomes a, a point. And like I told you, my biggest thing was not what ended up happening and and the addiction I got in. It was the pride. Pride that just that that just stinking pride that that pride that just came in and just mm. just gripped you and, mm. and uh, it became so ugly that it crowded out God, mm. crowded him out. And I don't care uh, when you look in the mirror and shave or when you look in the mirror to put up makeup, uh, you're looking at the the problem most of the time. <laughs> Sorry, but it's just true. Mm. And I told you I wasn't going to get up here and that I was going to get, I think you can say this in Oaks Church, buck naked honest. You uh, might not can say that at First Baptist. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, Let's do it. Let's do so it. So we're going to get honest this morning. Come on. But, but pride was my biggest mm. sin. And it, it had all kind of elements. But, but so pride, the, Go ahead, go ahead. 
Pride was that if you was doing a thesis term paper, pride was the head 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 column. A, B, and C, and D came after the pride. Mm. So you're living a normal life. Yeah. Serving God. Yeah. God's being faithful to you, right. giving you vehicles to go Even serve on Him. Staff. Even on church staff. Yeah. And then and then pride and, 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 and all of its little fingers begin to pull you right. slowly away. That's that right there is, is what I hear in my spirit after walking this first watching this first segment and talking to Mr. James. Uh, you guys can put point number one up on the screens, please. What I'm hearing in my spirit for all of us this morning is to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, says this. <clears throat> Keep, set a guard over your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart, out of the inner being in you, proceed the issues or the boundaries of life, out of, out of what's stored in the storehouse of your heart is where the boundaries of your life and those boundaries are going to dictate your future. So guard your heart. I can't say that enough. When we're like Mr. James, every one of us, we walk through pretty much typical normal lives. There's ups and there's downs. We get up, we go to work, we attend church, we watch and play sports, we, we wipe snotty noses, change dirty diapers, we, we walk through heartaches, disappointments, heartbreaks, but during all of that, your whole life, you can't slack up. You have to keep a guard on your heart. James 1:14 and 15 says this, that but each person is tempted. Each person is lured, and each person is enticed by his own desire. Did you know you have a desire, and it's dangerous? It's lurking on the inside of you, and if you don't set a guard on your heart, that desire will conceive, and, and what it says is when it conceives, it brings forth sin, and then when sin is fully grown, it brings death. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get dead. <laughs> Physically or spiritually. That, you know how much pain is involved in death? Physically and spiritually? Do you know how many people you affect when you don't guard your heart? How do I ensure? How do you ensure against being lured away from, from what you know is right unto, into the pathway that ultimately, lives, ultimately ends in death? How do, you, how do you ensure yourself against that? And I believe Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9 says it so well. Remember this. Remember this. Guard your heart, and then I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not, I will not, I will not, I will not be shaken if He is at my right hand and my eyes are on Him. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. You make known to me, O oh God, the path of life, and you will fill me with joy. Where? In your presence. Woo! That insurance from being lured or being enticed into areas like pride that are ungodly, Mr. James, is living a life of passionate pursuit of God's presence during our time here on earth. Listen, if we, if we don't walk with God intimately and passionately, we are a candidate for a trap of the enemy. 
which leads us right into our second segment. I call it the trap segment. <laughs> it ain't a trap house. It could be a trap house, but it's a trap segment. So let's watch this, the second segment. Be careful. Uh, I'd say that I've been pretty good at everything that I've ever done. Seemed like sports was easy. Uh, some people say I can't sing. Well, singing was easy. Uh, I could have been a straight-A student, but I'd rather play sports or sing, you know. So I had a, a family history of alcoholism, but I, I, was, I was so determined not to drink because I'd seen what it had done in my family. And, uh, and so for, uh, for 40 years, I, uh, I was just dead set against drinking. And uh, I went through a divorce, and that's when I, I started living kind of an adult lifestyle for the first time since I was 19 years old. And, uh, and so to fit in, order to drink. And the very first uh, weekend that I decided to drink, I got drunk. And uh, for 10 years, it seemed like my life just started spiraling downward. And I'll tell you about uh, a Father's Day weekend. It was June of 2006. And my boss had went to the uh, College World Series. And uh, so I told him I was gonna take off that day because nobody wanted to see a salesman on a Father's Day weekend. That was my excuse to drink. And so I wanted to get away from the house so no one would, uh, so I wouldn't have any scrutiny about drinking. And so I, I got in my truck and I just started making a big loop through uh, uh, coming down uh, White's Ferry Road and, and into Sterlington and then back around. Well, when I got to the uh, Foresight Loop, uh, witnesses say that I bumped a car in front of me. And knowing me, I got out to exchange insurance information. And, and they said I fumbled for my insurance information, got back in my truck, and headed down Foresight. Well, between the, the 165 and 18th Street, I blacked out, and, and my truck, it was determined through a black box in your vehicle. My truck was going 104, 105 miles an hour when I made impact into the 18th Street intersection. And a number of people went to the hospital, I'm not even sure how many, but none of them were uh, critically hurt or anything, and then I wasn't hurt. But I went to uh, OCC, and, and I didn't come home for eight and a half years. I got an 18-year prison sentence. You know, it always amazes me when the trap snaps, how quickly things come unraveled, how quickly life changes. But the reality of it is the trap doesn't just snap. It doesn't happen that fast. It's like we talked about in the first segment. There's a fade. There's a fade away from the things that we know is right, and we're being enticed and lured in the enemies. He's sitting there waiting for us. And finally, when he gets us in the right position, lures us in. Whap. And, and you wind up in a mess. So, Mr. James, you're 40 years old. You just went through a divorce. Took your first drink in 40 years, right? Well, basically, yes, sir. Yeah. So, 40 years, you get drunk. 
first weekend for for the next ten years you're just you're just existing you're just wallowing talk to me <laughs> well one thing that comes to my mind is addiction knows no faces That's right. mm. uh, you know and we beat ourselves up you know well it happened to me well it happened to me too and it can happen to you mm. uh, back to our pride thing uh, before this happened, a lot of you have heard of rehab. Well, I had a, a bed waiting for me at Palmetto. It's one of the prestigious alcohol and drug treatment places in the, I guess, in the whole United States. And I said, well, you know, <clears throat> Brother Todd, I can't go over there to Palmetto. Uh, my company couldn't do without me mm. uh, for that long. Right. They'd probably have to close the doors or something. You know, if I if I went over there for 30 days. True story. Mm. Well, that's been since 2006, and I heard their sales are better now than they were when <laughs> when I worked for them. You know, so so uh, see, back to the pride. Uh. But but not to make this a a, a joke. Mm. It's like I told you when we met the other day. Alcoholics, drug addicts, you know, we lie to ourselves. We think our family really don't know the extent of our, mm. of our misery. We mm. think that our friends, especially our, our friends from high school and friends that we just see from time to time, they don't really know that Brother James has uh, fell off the wagon. Mm. And so... So whenever that happened to me, Todd, I, I, went, I went to OCC that, that night, and I didn't eat for nine days. Well, those of you that have, I wasn't on a hunger strike, you can look at me and tell that, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, was, I was so ashamed that now my community, you know, I'd been, you know, uh, the president of one of the classes at the high school, I'd been this, I'd been that. I'd been, I'd been the pillar of the community at one time, and now everybody knows because TV8, TV10, mm. the Monroe News Store, I was the notorious drunk driver that I didn't tell you got caught on camcorder. A state trooper was pulling beside me. He was getting a sandwich at Burger King, and he jumped in beside me, and it's a wonder he hadn't shot me to save the public but that day, but he didn't. And it was caught on camera. And every time I went to court, they would show that fiery crash and show that a man like me didn't ever need to be on the street again. Uh. I even heard a, a famous preacher that uh, got on TV and, and after I got home and he said, a drunk driver should be locked up and throw away the key. And I only remember that today is because I'm not a drunk driver anymore. That's right. That's right. And I tell people I could be a, you know, I could be a mad mother. I'm just not mad. Because, hmm. you know, I, I'm a big believer in restoration. Amen. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in these, uh, in these, uh, recovery groups and prison ministry like I met the pastor this morning. I, you know, 
we just got to do, we got to do what Oaks Church is trying to do. What do we do? Go in the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. That's right. If they don't want to come to us, we need to go to them. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I wish I had the same testimony that I had when, when I was just a teenager. Mm. And I asked God to come into my heart. I, come on. And uh, I, I wish that was my testimony. I don't. I don't want to get up here this morning and tell you that that I did what I did. But you know, the Bible says Revelations twelve eleven, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, come on. And by the word of their testimony. You know, our testimony is what we say and what we do. That's right. And they love not their lives unto the dead. That's right. I can't do nothing about what happened on Foresight that day. That's right. I can't do anything about the little lady that had a broke arm. I can't do anything about any of that mm. except to do what I'm doing this morning and tell you that 502043, mm. that's my DOC number, is going to do everything that I can mm. to yeah. try to strip the pride in my, my own life that I, That's right. I still deal with. That's right. And, and to help anybody that'll let me love them up. Come on. And, Come on. and say, look, I've been where you've been. That's right. Yep. You know, I know what you're going through. That's right. Before then, I was just self-righteous Brother James. Mm. You know, before then, I, I didn't really know what it was like to do some of the things that I did in those in those dark years, Brother mm, Todd. That's right. Yeah. You know, one thing you're just going to find me doing is maybe falling off the church pew or something. <laughs> but, but now that I know what I know, mm. it's like you said, the, the wheels can run off and you don't even realize it. That's right. So, so in the first segment, you didn't guard your heart. Now you got trapped, <clears throat> which brings me to the second point I want to share with you guys this morning. Um, you can put that on the screen, media, please. The second point is change your mind. You know what that, that phrase is? You know what change your mind is? That's repentance. The definition of repentance is a change of your mind that ultimately will bring a change of direction in your life. Change the way you talk, change the way you walk, change the way you act. That's, that's what repentance is. That's what changing your mind is. It's, it's an acknowledgement that I'm not going the right way. I'm not doing the right things. And this is going to turn out really, really bad if I don't redirect my thoughts, which will redirect my actions. You know, Galatians 6 and 7 says this, don't be misled. God cannot be mocked. You will always harvest what you plant. I say you pick what you plant and you eat what you pick. And so those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Man, if you want a continual harvest in your life, listen to me. If you want a continual harvest in your life that's good and godly, plant continual seeds in your life that are good and godly. That's the key, y'all. Most of us sitting here this morning, let's just be honest. At some point, 
in your life, just like Mr. James, developed a coping mechanism. We developed a default. You know what a default is? It's like, it's like something you switch back to. It's like a pattern that, that, that you flop back to when things get messy in your life or things, or, or things aren't going just right. And so, and so each of us, James, your, your default began to be excessive alcohol, you know. So that's how you began to cover things up, and, and then it just got you. It got you addicted. Um, maybe yours is different. Mr. James made a statement to me. He didn't say it earlier. He said pride, but he said it wasn't alcohol that put me in prison. He said it was pride put me in prison. He said, he said, I was too proud to admit I had a problem. He said, I was too proud to listen to those that God placed in my life. I had it all figured out. And Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride goes before destruction. Pride is wicked in our lives. I'm telling you, Jesus mentioned pride so many times. Pride is, is, is a terrible thing, but it says pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit is before fall. You want to fall? Get proud. Get prideful in you. You know, maybe your, your default is pride. Maybe that's how you cope. You, you want to build a life that, to be admired. You want to build a body to be admired. You want to build a bank account to be admired. You want to build a reputation to be admired. But it's all about me, 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 me. I'm going to do me. I want me, me, me. Man, if you aren't decreasing, Brother James, so Christ can increase, you're headed for trouble. I'm telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. You know, maybe yours isn't pride. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's a drug addiction. You know, you just don't want to deal with the life and trauma and hurt and abuse, and so you, you numb it. Maybe it's ungodly pleasure that you default back to when things get tough. You try to fill your life with ungodly things that make you feel good for a moment, but leave you shameful in the end. Maybe it's lust or sexual sin of some kind, and I want to say something right here. Now, I'm going to say it boldly, but I'm going to say it kindly. Listen, my voice is kind. I love you guys. And I say it kindly to protect you, to help you. Um, any sexual activity outside of God's original boundaries for his people, including fornication, including adultery, including homosexuality, is sin, y'all. It is sin, and it must be repented of. We have got to change our mind on these issues. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I'm just saying what the Bible says. We've got to change our mind or it will produce death in our lives. Now, let's be real, Mr. James. Let's just be real. I'm not talking about a struggle. We all got struggles. I mean, we struggle every day. I was talking to somebody earlier and I said, man, I wouldn't want the video of my life playing on my chest, you know, the things that I've struggled with in the closet. And somebody very close to me said, I don't think it'd be bad because the next scene would be you on your knees crying out to God, forgive me, God, help me, deliver me from this mess. That's the mindset. It's a repentant mindset. We got to change our mind. We struggle with things. But the minute we quit struggling and begin to embrace something God says is ungodly, the minute we begin to brace a, a habit that is ungodly, the, member, the minute we begin to embrace a lifestyle that, that God calls sin, then we're in trouble. Hmm. And it will, it will lead us into a prison of some shame, shape, form, or fashion. 
Mr. James. Now, now that's heavy, y'all. <laughs> Whoo! But what I've been through this week, there's some heavy stuff on me, so I gotta say it. I gotta say it. So, so, um, but, 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 there's a third segment. There's hope. Here's the hope. Let's play the third segment. That's the, the bad part. The, the good part is that I'm thankful to God in heaven for the opportunity to go to prison because through prison I, I uh, was able to go to alcohol and drug treatment. I was able to work in the chaplain's office. My chaplain passed away and they never hired a, a free person. They just had me do it for 17 months. And so I got the privilege of doing that. It's just how God works uh, and does things for you that you can't do for yourself. And, uh, and after uh, about seven years, I was able to go to City of Faith, which was on Jackson Street. And uh, I was able to go to work uh, where I work now at Home Improvement. I, I do things now to to try to give back through prison ministry and through uh, seeing people that are where I was at before I got clean and sober and, you know, back in church. And I'm just so thankful that God's going to be able to use me at Oaks Church. And uh, I know he's got something good for me. My, my wife waited the eight and a half years I was gone for me to come home. and. Uh, and we have a wonderful relationship, and uh, and I'm just uh, I can't explain, you know, what God's done for me. But you know, too much is given, much is required, and I, I just hope my life will, will be a testimony to somebody that's struggling that you don't have to struggle. You don't. You can give it all to Jesus. And uh, I know in the church we used to sing an old hymn called "I Surrender All." And uh, I tell people that you got to get, you got to get totally honest, and you got to surrender all. You can't hold back any, any of you. You got to give it all to him, and and he'll give you back what you need.